0: You are listening to CITR FM 101.9 or on your computer www.citr.ca. Stay tuned now for The Jazz Show with Gavin Walker coming right up and sponsored by the TD International Jazz Festival. We would like to welcome you to another edition of The Jazz Show on CITR FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. My name is Gavin Walker, and for this month, because of what is happening here in Vancouver, we are sponsored by the TD International vancouver jazz festival and it's on right now and it's cooking all kinds of uh things that are going on and we'll tell you about uh, it's going to be happening all week of course and uh we'll tell you a little later on some of the things that are some of the highlights that are uh, going on in the festival and of course there, there are have been already some wonderful highlights including the um Two orchestra concert at Performance Works, uh, which featured the local hard rubber jazz orchestra led by the redoubtable John Corserut and the secret Society, Darcy James Argue, who was born in Vancouver, and of course, is a resident of New York City, brought his orchestra. Um, all very high-caliber musicians, and delivered a concert that a lot of people are not going to forget, some incredibly adventurous music. And last night, of course, was uh, just a, a magical evening at the Orpheum Theater with the one and only Bobby McFerrin. And his music appeals to so many um, of us and, and um, from hardcore jazz fans to uh, people that uh, like uh, all sorts of different styles of music and of course um, McFerrin in his own unique way covers so much ground and was so much fun to uh, watch and listen to and just, um, just be a part of his whole kind of spontaneity and uh, performance that was just, uh, as I said, magical uh, because he is such a unique person and a unique individual. There's nobody like Bobby McFerrin. Anyway, that was uh, just a couple of highlights, and there's so much more happening at the festival as well. So uh, we're glad that uh, it's elevating Vancouver to uh, some new cultural heights, (laughs) the Vancouver International Jazz Festival. And, of course, it's... uh, Probably one of the most, uh, it is the most well-attended um, festival. And there are over 300 free concerts. And that's something that most festivals don't have. You have to pay for them. But, um, you know, so if you're broke and, and uh, strapped, as so many people are, you can still experience the Vancouver International Jazz Festival Free. All you have to do is uh, get yourself a program and figure out what's going on, and the times and all that sort of stuff. All right, our jazz feature this evening, which we always do shortly after 11 o'clock, is a live performance by the great pioneer of modern jazz tenor saxophone, the one and only Dexter Gordon, long Tall Dexter, and... Dexter Gordon is appearing at the Montmartre Jazz House in Copenhagen. And this is from a 1967 date where Dexter performed with one of the leading rhythm sections in Europe, uh, which happened to actually consist of uh, two American expatriates. Pianist Kenny Drew, who had been uh, a resident of Denmark since about 1962, and Albert Tootie Heath, who was uh, living in Europe at the time. So these two American expats made up the rhythm section, and of course on bass, one of the greatest of all bass players, Nels Hennig Orsted Pedersen, the Great Dane, as we always call him, the Great Danish Bassist. And uh, he was about, uh, I think, 21 years old when... Um, This session was recorded, and of course he sounded just so phenomenal, and he was first called bassist um, by anybody, and of course he was, in those days, a very, very busy young man. So um, this rhythm section propelled Dexter Gordon into some of his finest work. And, of course, uh, Long Tall Dexter was, uh, as I said, a pioneer of uh, modern jazz, tenor, saxophone. He really set the standard. And, of course, he influenced uh, Sonny Rollins, influenced John Coltrane, um, all kinds of people took their stylistic um, beginnings from listening to Dexter Gordon. And uh, Dexter uh, continued a long interesting and storied career in music, and uh, this recording is one of, the, uh, one of his high points, one of his many high points over the years, and uh, it's uh, really some beautiful performances. So that's what we're going to hear on the jazz feature, but the rest of our show this evening is devoted to a gentleman by the name of Horace Ward Martin Tavares Silva. S-I-L-V-A. His name was changed by his dad to, and more anglicized, to Silver. And of course, Horace Silver is who I'm talking about. Horace Silver set the tone for jazz music in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, and was one of the great band leaders and also one of the finest and most individual pianists in jazz music. And of course, not to mention his compositions. His compositions are played by every jazz musician throughout the world. And uh, Horace, of course, as I said, was one of the standard bearers of music, really a, a pioneer. He was born in Norwalk, Connecticut, September 2nd, 1928, and passed away at age 85, June the 18th, 2014, at his home in New Rochelle, New York. Uh, he, was, um, he hadn't played for about four years, and he was moved into a senior's home and, um, and passed away there peacefully. And Horace came from a very interesting background. His father was from the island of Mao in the Cape Verde, uh, which is just off the coast of uh, Africa, and the Cape Verde Islands uh, were owned uh, or colonized by the Portuguese. So there's a combination of Portuguese culture and African culture, and his dad was a mixture of those uh, two cultures. And his mom was an African, was, uh, actually was an Irish African descent. She was an Irish African American. So there you go. So Horace Silver came from a very mixed cultural uh, background, and uh, Silva is a very common Portuguese name, and of course uh, Horace's father anglicized it and became Silver. So that's how he got his name. Horace Silver actually began his musical career as a tenor saxophonist, but he uh, later switched to piano, and Apparently he was, uh, I have never heard any evidence on recordings of his tenor saxophone playing, but apparently it was pretty good, of course. And uh, Horace was uh, decided that piano was more suited to what he wanted to do and began to study and develop his uh, piano concepts. And he was influenced, of course, by Bud Powell and and, uh, to a lesser extent Thelonious Monk. But what he did was simplify the Bud Powell style into a very spare, um, melodic, simple style. In other words, he, he, he simplified Bud Powell's complex, um, fast, dense style of music. And Horace's music is very clear, much like his astrology sign. He was born under the sign of Virgo, and um, very exacting, and very melodic, and very tight, um, and, of course, that ref- reflected in his, uh, once he formed his own bands, that kind of, uh, that tightness and discipline was evident throughout his career. And, of course, Horace grew up in the, in the age of when a lot of musicians were um, using dope and other stimulants. Uh, Horace never did any of that stuff at all. I think he tried everything once and decided it wasn't for him and uh, remained that way. Horace was a very spiritual person. He also once said that all of his compositions came from dreams, that he dreamt the concept of a composition, and when he woke up, went directly to the piano and was able to... Uh, compose his next piece and of course he he composed so many pieces we're going to hear one of his most famous to open the show this is not from the recording the famous recording of this tune this is from a a live performance with the same band that was used Uh, and this tune of course is his most famous composition it was dedicated to his dad and it was called Song for My Father, and it's a tune that has been played throughout the world. Uh, There's been words added to the tune, and so many bands play this tune. And we're going to hear a very rare live version of this song uh, recorded uh, with the same band that actually did the tune for uh, the famous Blue Note record. And this was recorded um, in New York City at uh, a great club called the Half Note, And, of course, the band consisted of Horace Silver at the piano, Carmel Jones on trumpet, and the great, and I mean great, Joe Henderson on tenor saxophone. Teddy Smith is the bassist, and from Philadelphia, a wonderful drummer by the name of Roger Humphreys. And that made up this... Uh, this particular band, and they only actually made one official recording, and that's the famous song "For my father recording for Blue Note Records, but this is a live version. I like it even better than the original recording, and we're going to open the show beginning our tribute to the great Horace Silver, and we'll be exploring a lot of his music right up to the jazz feature as a tribute to this great man of music and uh we hope you enjoy and are elevated by the music of the one and only horace silver song for my father really <laughs> <laughs> this next tune song for my father the horace silver quintet Recorded at the Half Note, one of the great uh, jazz clubs in New York, this was a live version of Horace Silver's, perhaps his most famous composition, Song from My Father, in a live extended version, uh, played by the same band that uh, recorded that tune for Blue Note Records. And, of course, this is is one of Horace's great bands, uh, with Carmel Jones on trumpet, who was heard only in the section, And, of course, some incredible tenor saxophone work by the one and only Joe Henderson. And, of course, Mr. Silver on piano, Teddy Smith on bass, and Roger Humphreys on drums, song from my father. Interestingly enough, um, as an encore last night at the Bobby McFerrin uh, performance, and I'm sure a lot of people didn't really recognize the tune, that were in the audience but uh bobby knew what was happening and he sung uh the melody of one of horace silver's most beautiful and the words uh to one of horace's most beautiful pieces of music uh called peace and we're going to hear the original instrumental version of that um, piece of music and um we're also going to hear a vocal version uh following the original instrumental version by a wonderful lady who is uh, a friend of mine by the name of Jean Carn. And uh she is one of uh one of the great um, not overly widely recognized vocalists. And uh she performed this um, on an album that was done a number of years ago with her uh ex-husband uh Doug Carn who plays um piano On here and uh, did the arrangement and Gene sings the words to Horace Silver's uh, piece and there's some other people uh, that I'll tell you about after we hear the um, the music so first of all the original version played by um, this was the longest uh, group steady group that Horace had together for five years with the same guys in the band Uh, basically the same guys with the exception of a change in the drum chair. Um, So we have Blue Mitchell on trumpet, who takes the lead on this, Uh, Junior Cook on tenor saxophone, Horace Silver, of course, on piano, Eugene Taylor on bass, and Louis Hayes on drums. And this was the uh, last recording that Louis made uh, with Horace uh, when he, uh, and then Louis moved on to Cannibal Adderley's band, and the rest is history. But... um, it was Horace that uh, brung, brought uh, young Louis Hayes to prominence, giving him a permanent spot in this, in this band. But uh, essentially, this was Horace's longest um, band with the same personnel, as I said, with the, uh, with the exception of the switch-in drummers. So here is the original version of Horace's beautiful composition called Peace, and then that will be followed by Gene Carnes. Uh, vocal version of that tune.
1: (laughs)
2: A time of life and
1: love
2: With all guidance from
1: above A time when man will understand Being free All in a time What a joy divine, what a perfect state.
0: two versions of Horace Silver's famous composition, Peace. And we heard the original instrumental version played by his quintet, recorded in 1959 from a great album, one of his uh, essential albums called Blowing the Blues Away. And uh, the original version played by uh, Blue Mitchell on trumpet, Junior Cook on tenor saxophone, uh, Eugene Taylor on bass, and Louis Hayes on drums, and, of course, Mr. Silver on piano. Then we heard this uh, gorgeous vocal version by Jean Carn, her husband uh, playing electric piano, Doug Karn. Uh, the trombone solo was Al Hall, Jr., and we heard Henry Fra- Franklin on bass, Michael Carvin on drums, and uh, some other folks in the band, George Harper on flute, and Bob Frazier on trumpet. And the vocal version of Peace with Gene Carn. We're doing, of course, a tribute to the great pianist, Horace Silver. Uh, first of all, I'd just like to mention, my name is Gavin Walker. This is a special edition of The Jazz Show on CITR FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. And this is, of course, the jazz show. And we're doing a tribute up until the jazz feature time, the music of Horace Silver, because he definitely was one of the most important musicians in jazz music and will remain that way. He established his reputation many, many years ago. Passed away June the 18th at age 85. And we're going to go back in time now. Uh, Horace Silver, of course, um, it was Stan Getz who discovered Horace Silver. Uh, Stan was booked as a single uh, at a club in Hartford, Connecticut, and he was backed up by a rhythm section uh, that included Horace Silver. And Stan had never met Horace before, but he was so impressed with the rhythm section that he convinced uh the three of the guys, uh, Joe Calloway, the bassist, and Walter Bolden, the drummer, and Horace Silver, to come to New, move to New York and um, record with him and uh, work with him for a few months and That elevated Horace Silver to one of the most leading pianists in New York. Um, everybody heard what a magnificent musician he was and and what he had to offer, so he of course. Um, Uh, began playing at some of the leading clubs in New York, including Birdland, and he virtually became the house pianist there and worked with everybody and um, became closely associated with Art Blakey, the drummer. And, uh, of course, Horace uh, recorded with Clifford Brown and another one of his mentors who is still with us, the great uh, alto saxophonist Lou Donaldson, and Horace became uh, Miles Davis' favorite piano player at that time and made a bunch of historic recordings with Miles Davis After uh, basically after Miles got himself straightened out and uh, recorded some of those classic Miles Davis uh, records, which, of course, again uh, set the standards for jazz music. But it was with Art Blakey, Uh, that Horace had his most closest association. And Art Blakey, um, who at the time was freelancing, decided to put together a cooperative band with Horace as the musical director of the band. And the people involved in the band were really, uh, although it wasn't the first edition of the Jazz Messengers as such, Blakey had a band back in 1947 called the Jazz Messengers. But um, that was short-lived, this was really the one that uh, was on the map. And it was a cooperative band. There was actually no leader um, in this particular early edition of the Jazz Messengers. It was everybody, uh, whoever got the gig, uh, was basically the leader. And all the guys went out and looked for gigs for this band. And the people involved here, the late, great, uncrowned king of the trumpet, Kenny Dorham, on tenor saxophone, Hank Mobley, who was a new star on, uh, as Art Blakey said, a new style on the modern jazz horizon. Horace Silver on piano, who was the band's musical director, and a young man from Detroit on bass by the name of Doug Watkins. And of course, Art Blakey on drums. And uh, we're going to hear, first of all, a composition. Horace uh, was signed by Blue Note Records. In 1952, he was the longest contracted artist. He was actually um, under contract to Blue Note Records from 1952 to 1980. And um, he became a favorite of Alfred Lyons, of course. And um, Horace uh, recorded uh, a number of uh, trio dates. But when when The Jazz Messengers uh, was created... Uh, This is where Horace really made a mark. And, of course, most of the compositions by the jazz, original compositions by the Jazz Messengers were compositions by Horace Silver. And he had a couple of hits, early hits. As a matter of fact, uh, this first one we're going to hear was rejected um, by Alfred Lyon. He said, I don't want to record this. This piece is silly. And, and it, it, sounds, it sounds amateurish, and, and he criticized Horace for it. And he said, I, I really feel that we shouldn't record this because it's not really up to your standards. And Horace said, well, I kind of like the tune, and I think it would be appealing. Um, it appeals to me, appeals to the band. We all enjoy playing with it. And Alfred Lyons said, well, I don't like it. And, and uh, although he liked Horace Silver a lot, he decided that uh, he would defer to Horace Silver's wishes and record the tune. And it became a huge hit for Blue Note Records. They put it out on a 45, and it was played in jukeboxes uh, throughout the, uh, the United States. And it was Horace Silver's first mini hit. And the tune we're going to hear the tune, played by the original uh, Jazz Messengers, with all the guys I mentioned, Kenny Dorham, Hank Mobley, Horace Silver, Doug Watkins, and Blakey. And uh, we're going to hear two tunes from this band. Both Horace Silver compositions, both became hits. And the, the first one was the one that Alfred Lyon rejected. It's called The Preacher. The second tune is uh, another hit for Horace Silver. It's a great tune. It's called Doodlin'. So here then are two tunes by Horace Silver, who uh, which became... Many early hits for Mr. Silver. two tunes that uh, became many hits for uh, Horace Silver when uh, he was a big part of one of the most important groups in jazz, the Jazz Messengers. And at that time, uh, there was no actual leader of the band. It was uh, a cooperative band. It, it included the great, as I said, Uncrowned King, Kenny Dorham on trumpet, Hank Mobley on tenor saxophone, Doug Watkins on bass, of course, Horace Silver at the piano and Art Blakey on drums, and the first tune was uh, one that uh, Alfred Lion uh, was adamant that the band wouldn't record. He didn't like it. He said it was corny, uh, wasn't worth uh, the paper it was written on, and uh, he didn't uh, chose not to record it. But because he liked Horace he finally was persuaded to, okay, I'll I'll record this, but it's not going to go anywhere. It's a stupid tune. (laughs) And, uh, of course, it became a hit. Um, These things are funny. They they work because it's an appealing piece of music, and it was fun. And um, uh, it was, as I said, it it, uh, made some money for Blue Note Records and made some money for Horace Silver in royalties as well. The tune was called The Preacher, and that was followed by another tune that became a, uh, a standard that uh, every, everyone played, uh, a piece of music called Doodlin'. And that became extremely popular, too. Now, the next stage in Horace Silver's career was the breakup of the original Jazz Messengers. And uh, they went uh, broke up in uh, amoeba-like like parts, everybody going somewhere else. And Blakey himself, took over the name, and after that, it became Art Blakey and the Jazz Messengers. And this was in 1956. And, of course, that was the year that Horace Silver formed his first quintet and recorded his first album for Blue Note Records with this newly formed quintet. And the album was called Six... Pieces of Silver, and there was a hit piece of music from this, and it became another very famous Horace Silver composition. The uh, personnel, um, Donald Byrd on trumpet, and from the original Jazz Messengers, um, two members, Hank Mobley, back on tenor saxophone with Horace, and the bassist, Doug Watkins. The drummer was a young man from Detroit, He was 18 years old, and uh, he was a discovery of Horace Silver's. His name, Louis Hayes, who was still very much with us. So, and of course, Mr. Silver on piano. The tune that we're going to hear from this album, which was recorded in November of 1956 for Blue Note Records, is called Senior Blues. And we're going to hear two versions of this tune. We're going to hear the original instrumental version, and we're going to hear a later vocal version uh, with uh, a later um, quintet um, with Horace Silver. And um, I'll, tell you mo- I'll tell you the personnel and so on and so forth after we hear both versions of... This was another uh, most famous Horace Silver composition, the Senior Blues, so here is the first version, the instrumental version, followed by the vocal version of that piece of music. As soon as I can uh, locate it. <laughs> I, didn't, uh, I forgot to program it. There it is. And uh, here it is now. Mm-hmm.
2: Blues is what they call him way down Mexicali way. Senior readers falling for him with the hope that he will stay by the time that they love him. Senior blues. I'm going away Well he's tall and good looking And he always knows Just what to say Yes he's tall And good looking And he always knows Just what to say By the time That they love him Senior your blues done gone away. I don't know why, don't know why, don't know why. I'm a wandering, wandering guy with no one gallon lay my head by. I'm so tired and lonely and blue Cause the one gal I love won't be true Got the blues and it's all cause of you Got the blues and it's all cause of you Galloway, your Readers fallen for him with the hope that he will stay by the time that they love him. your blues don't gone away. Well he's tall and good looking. say, yes he's tall and good looking, and he always knows just what to say, by the time that they love him, senior blues done gone away. I'm a wandering, wandering guy, with no one gal i lay my head by. Ooh, I'm so tired and lonely and blue, cause the one gal I love won't be true. Got the blues and it's our cost of you, got the blues and it's our cost
0: of you. One of Horace Silver's most famous composition, the Senior Blues, we heard first the instrumental version from his uh, original um, newly formed quintet done in 1956 on an album called Six Pieces of Silver. And uh, that featured Donald Byrd on trumpet, Hank Mobley on tenor saxophone, Doug Watkins on bass, and Lewis Hayes on drums. And, of course, Horace Silver on piano. Senior blues. Then the second version was done by... Um, a similar quintet with a couple of changes in the personnel. We didn't hear solos anyway, but Donald Byrd was back on trumpet, uh, Junior Cook on tenor saxophone in the ensemble, uh, Gene Taylor on bass, and Louis Hayes on drums, and of course Mr. Silver on piano. And the vocal and the words uh, written by Horace Silver were sung by the great vocalist Bill Henderson, and that was the vocal version of Senior Blues. So there you go. Um, that was a, a big hit for Horace Silver. And um, that was a tune that was played by, uh, by just, about, uh, just about everybody. And he recorded uh, uh, several more versions of that, uh, that particular piece. We're going to take a, a very short break. Just to tell you that you are listening to CITR FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. This is the jazz show. And, of course, we're doing a tribute to the late, great pianist-composer Horace Silver, a man who shaped jazz music and, of course, uh, is still, despite his demise and departure into the great unknown, uh, Horace Silver's music will remain a big part of uh, jazz music for a very long time. We're going to play a couple of tracks from my favorite Horace Silver album right after these uh, messages. So uh, stay with us, and we'll be right back, right after all of this. A billion dollars on the ground All stretched out and uncurled would extend about four times around the
2: circumference of the world. Become a friend of CITR and get great discounts in the Main Street area at
1: Antisocial Skateboard Shop, Devil Maywear, Lucky's Comics, Neptune Records, RX Comics, Red Cat Records, The Regional Assembly of Text, Temple of the Modern Girl Boutique, The Wallflower Modern Diner, and woo vintage clothing.
2: It pays to be a friend of CITR. To find out more, visit us in room 233 of the sub on the UBC campus, or online at citr.ca.
0: Want to know what's up at UBC? Read the UBC. Hmm. Well, the weekend was really, really nice. And uh, really nice for the uh, outdoor events of the Jazz Festival, too. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, I mean, Saturday and Sunday, of course, especially. Uh, those were the big events at uh, Robson Square. Things have changed tonight. Uh, of course, it was raining by the time I uh, was driving out here. And of course, tonight, periods of rain uh, overnight with a low of 14. Tomorrow... Periods of rain will end in the morning, but then it'll be cloudy with uh, scattered showers throughout the day, off and on, uh, with a low of 14 and a high of 18. Wednesday appears to be sunny, with a low of 12 and a high of 20. Thursday is quite pleasant, a mix of sun and cloud, with a low of 14 and and a high of 20. Uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday... uh, is the forecast is cloudy with a 60% chance of a shower each day, with lows between 13 and highs between 19. That's Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So there you be, and uh, that is the projected forecast. We're back to music, and the music of the great Horace Silver, or as I say, the Lone Ranger and the great Horace Silver. And uh, this is by his uh, long-standing quintet that he had the same personnel with, uh, of course, as I mentioned before, the, uh, the changes in uh, drummers. Uh, this was basically the same band that he had for five years. And this was uh, uh, a, one of his great bands, and he had many. But this was, um, this music was recorded on Horace's first trip, under his own name, to Japan, and uh, he, when they came back from uh, Japan, they recorded. They went into the studio and recorded this album called "The Tokyo Blues," and uh, it's a great cover, of course, with uh, Horace. Uh, it was taken in Japan with Horace between two um, beautifully traditionally clad Japanese ladies. And uh, smiling, the smiling Mr. Silver in his three-piece Brooks Brothers suit, thin tie, looking so hip, and uh, the two Japanese ladies um, s- sitting on uh, either side of him. It's a great cover and a great album. And it is uh, my favorite. Um, of all Horace Silver's albums, and there's so many of them that are good. One of the things that Horace did um, was, as I mentioned before, he was contracted uh, by Blue Note Records. He was the longest artist uh, ever uh, to be contracted by Blue Note. He was there from 1952 to 1980, and uh, when he formed his quintet in 1956, he recorded uh, two albums per year, he stopped making sideman appearances, of course, because by that time he was a band leader, And uh, he recorded two albums per year for Blue Note Records, and they're all great, uh, consistent, uh, tight, and all with a plethora of uh, Horace Silver compositions. But this one I like a lot. Um, and the people involved in the band, Blue Mitchell on trumpet, Junior Cook on tenor saxophone, Gene Taylor on bass, and a drummer. This is the only album that this drummer made. He, uh, The regular drummer was the great Detroit drummer Roy Brooks. He took Lewis Hayes' place in Horace's band. But Roy had taken, um, I think there was some immigration difficulty, and Roy was also uh, not well during this time. And he... Uh, um, They had to uh, replace him for this tour of Japan, and they kept the drummer um, for a little while until Roy got better. Then he returned to the band. But the drummer is a wonderful Philadelphia drummer by the name of John Harris Jr. And I love the way he plays on this album. He's so dynamic and so tasteful. Perfect drummer for the band, as was Roy Brooks, of course. But um, that was the only uh, switch in personnel. We're going to hear two tunes from this album. Uh, The first one is called Too Much Saki, and the second tune is called The Sayonara Blues, both written by Horace Silver. two tracks from uh, my favorite Horace Silver album called the Tokyo Blues, and that featured his long-standing quintet with Blue Mitchell on trumpet, and Junior Cook, what an underrated uh, tenor saxophonist. Um, Great, great player uh, on on tenor saxophone, of course. Uh, Gene Taylor on bass, John Harris Jr. on drums, and Horace Silver on piano. And John Harris Jr., the drummer, was taking the place of um, Roy Brooks, who was uh, ill um, for a period of time. And this was the only uh, appearance on records with Horace Silver's band that uh, John Harris uh, made, but very, very fine drummer from Philadelphia. All right, a good choice to uh, replace Roy Brooks for a period of time. The two tunes we heard, both compositions by Horace Silver. The first one was called Too Much Saki. And the second tune was the Sayonara Blues. Horace Silver, we're paying tribute to. Christian McBride is a bass player and a jazz icon today who's actually appearing tomorrow night at Performance Works with his trio. And um, I'm going to be there because I don't want to miss that. This is one of the great trios uh, with Christian Sands on piano and my friend, Uh, Ulysses Owens on drums and of course Mr. McBride and he is a spokesman spokesperson for the music and he said something about Horace Silver's music which is uh, quite to the point and I'll quote Mr. McBride Uh, he says Horace Silver's music has always represented what jazz musicians preach but don't necessarily practice and that's simplicity it sticks to the memory it's very singable it gets in your blood easily, and you can comprehend it easily. It's very rooted and very soulful. And I think that's a very adequate um, description of Horace Silver's music. His piano stylings, of course, um, Horace realized at a young age that he, he could never play like Bud Powell, but he developed his style by simplifying Bud Powell's style. And uh, using. he makes each note count and uh, that's what's, uh, one of the things that's appealing to Horace Silver. And, of course, it's his tremendous drive and, and swing. But the notes just pop out of the piano. Um, very, very distinct. And um, he's not about speed or virtuoso or flourishes, all this kind of stuff. Horace Silver gets directly at you. Here's another great album. This is considered one of the 100 essential jazz albums. And we did hear a track earlier on in the show from this album. It's called Blowing the Blues Away, and it's slight slightly earlier than the last one we heard. And it features uh, the same people, uh, Blue Mitchell on trumpet, Junior Cook, tenor saxophone, Eugene Taylor on bass, and Louis Hayes on drums. He was still in the band when they recorded these two tunes. Uh, the first one I like very much. It's all, It's timely, considering what's going on right now over there in that uh, troubled country iraq and um, this might uh, make you feel better about uh, when you think about iraq and uh, this is horace's um, horace silver's composition called the baghdad blues and uh, it's a tune i've always liked and the second tune is another one of his hits that words were put to and it's a tune that everybody knows it's called sister sadie so we're going to hear the first. The Baghdad Blues, and then Sister Sadie, Horace Silver's Compositions. Two pieces of music from uh, one of Horace's albums. He has four that are on the list of the 100 essential jazz albums that you must own. And this is one of them. It's from an album called "Blowing the Blues Away. And we heard two tunes uh, from that album. Uh, The first tune was called The Baghdad Blues, and I guess it's pretty contemporary for today. Uh, and the second tune, of course, is Horace Silver, another hit for Horace Silver, Sister Sadie. And the band consisted of Blue Mitchell on trumpet, Junior Cook, tenor saxophone, Eugene Taylor on bass, Horace Silver, of course, on piano, and Lewis Hayes on drums. It was the final album that Lewis did uh, with the band before he left for um, his historic tenure with Cannonball Adderley. One more. To complete our tribute to Horace Silver, this is uh, another famous composition um, by Horace. This was written in honor of the jazz baroness, Nika, Nika Rothschild. She had a lot of tunes written for her, but I think this is perhaps the most famous, and uh, it just seems to, uh, well, because it was written by Horace Silver, it has been played by everyone. Uh, It's one of those essential tunes that uh, if you were a a hip jazz musician, you had to learn this tune, you had to learn how to play it. And it's a beautiful melody. And again, uh, this is played by Horace's uh, long-standing quintet. Blue Mitchell on trumpet, Junior Cook, tenor saxophone, Eugene Taylor on bass, and the regular drummer who took Lewis Hayes' place, Roy Brooks on drums, and Horace Silver on piano. This is, to conclude our tribute to Horace Silver, Nika's Dream. (laughs) Not that one. This one. final piece of music in our lengthy tribute this evening to the great pianist Horace Silver, born September 2nd, 1928 in Norwalk, Connecticut of um, Cape Verdean parentage and uh, died June 18th, 2014, 85 years old at uh, a home in New Rochelle, New York. Horace Silver, of course, His music um, influenced and was really shaped jazz of the 1950s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and onward. And his music will be played for a long, long time and heard. And of course, we heard a a random selection of some of his uh, most famous compositions by uh, many of his great bands. And, of course, uh, Horace uh, had played with everybody by the time he formed his first band in 1956, uh, his first quintet, and then, of course, um, kept that together um, right until the end. He stopped performing, actually, in um, the year 2000 and um, basically retired from music at that time. And then uh, later on, of course, his, uh, his health began to uh, fade and so on. And uh, he sold his uh, place in Malibu, California, where he had lived for many years. And uh, his family moved him back close to um, his home base. And uh, he lived out his life in a, in a retirement senior citizen's home and died of natural causes, 85 years old, and just one of the great people in jazz music, Horace Silver. Look him up on uh, on Google, and you'll find out his extensive history and the literally hundreds of recordings uh, that he has appeared on, and of course all the recordings he made under his own name. Just an amazing uh, discography. So there you go. Hope you enjoyed our jazz feature this evening, the music of the great Horace Silver. And... Uh, We'd like to remind you that you are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR-FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. My name's Gavin Walker, and this uh, program for the month of June is sponsored by the TD International Jazz Festival. And uh, we... Of course, uh, the festival is ongoing. We're right in the middle of it, actually, and it is going until the 1st of July, and there's still so much more to go. Um, there's all the free stuff, of course, and uh, at David Lamb Park this weekend will be jumping with all kinds of music, but there's up-and-coming concerts. Tomorrow night is uh, Christian McBride's concert at um, Performance Works and... Uh, Following that, of course, the great Maceo Parker will be in the Vogue uh, along with uh, the Nightcrawlers uh, with Don Pemberton. A great band uh, from here in Vancouver. And uh, Jeff Ballard will be performing at Performance Works on Thursday. And of course, the incredible, legendary Charles Lloyd will be at the Vogue on Friday. And uh, just so much more. Cassandra Wilson will be performing at the Vogue on Sunday. Those are the big names, and there's all kinds of uh, stuff going on at, uh, in different venues and so on. And one of the best um, ways that you can access uh, the jazz festival is uh, vanjazzfest.ca And uh, get onto that website, and you can find out all the goings-on and the ticket prices and where you can get a hold of uh, uh, reserve seats and uh, all this kind of stuff, vanjazzfest.ca. And, of course, another great website to get onto is Brian Nations, which is vancouverjazz.com and uh, there's all all kinds and you you can see festival events uh, on that website as well and just one more thing Uh, I always mention his name repairs to musical instruments reed instruments saxophones, flutes, clarinets, etc my friend Ken Speller who lives in North Vancouver wonderful saxophonist in his own right but he has his own workshop in his house so he keeps his prices down And uh, he's in the 13th and Lonsdale area of North Vancouver. And uh, he'll fix up your horns so that you can sound your best. And if you're a pro, amateur, um, student, whatever, you need to have your instrument in tip-top shape. And uh, he'll do it for you. He knows what he's doing. He's great. And uh, you can locate him at 778 800 1933, 778 or kspeller underscore 14 at yahoo.ca, kspeller underscore 14 at yahoo.ca. A good man to know when uh, you uh, need your horn overhauled and, and, uh, so that you can sound the best that you can do. And uh, like that. So there you go. There's a few tips for uh, uh, things that are happening in Vancouver. Brief tips. But uh, check them out. Your computer's there, and it'll give you information uh, about everything. VanJazzFest.ca. That'll give you all the details about the Vancouver International Jazz Festival. All right, our jazz feature this evening is a live performance by the great Dexter Gordon. Dexter Gordon, of course, was one of the first uh, modern jazz voices of the tenor saxophone. Uh, He was born in Los Angeles. His dad was a very prominent dentist uh, in L.A. Dexter, of course, became a child prodigy, really. Uh, he began playing with uh, Lionel Hampton's band when he was in his teeny, in his teens. Played with Louis Armstrong when he was still a young man. Headed for New York City, and of course became one of the first great modern tenor saxophone voices, and influenced all kinds of people. Dexter influenced Sonny Rollins, John Coltrane. Um, tons of other people, and of course, uh, had a long and storied career as being one of the leading lights of the tenor saxophone. Dexter uh, left North America in 1962 and headed for Europe, where he uh, enjoyed a great life over there and respect as an artist without the racism that uh, he encountered in America and uh, was honored um, by everyone and, of course, became a legend in Europe. He eventually returned to the U.S. But um, we're going to hear him when he was living in Europe as, uh, as an expat, recorded at the very famous Montmartre Jazz House in Copenhagen, the leading jazz club in Europe, uh, the 21st of July, 1967. Dexter Gordon and this incredible rhythm section Uh, comprised of two other American expats, uh, Kenny Drew, who had been living there since uh, the early 60s, great pianist, and Albert Heath, Tootie Heath, uh, drummer who moved over there for uh, several years, and on bass, the great Nils Hennig Orsted-Peterson. He uh, was just in his early 20s, and of course, even then, he had become one of the world's leading jazz bassists, and everybody wanted Niels. Uh, he was uh, so busy, and uh, of course he went on to play with Oscar Peterson, all kinds of people. But this was a great rhythm section. Kenny Drew at the piano, Niels henne peterson better known as NHOP on bass, and an Albert Tootie Heath on drums. They inspired Dexter, and uh, he's going to hit with... Um, Uh, We're going to hear his uh, wonderful speaking voice first, and uh, then he's going to play a lengthy tune by George and Ira Gershwin. uh, Dexter loves standards, and he, even though all of these tunes that we're going to hear have been played thousands of times, Dexter brings a freshness uh, to his interpretations. And, of course, uh, um, his tenor saxophone work is just superb. So the first tune we're going to hear is... George and Ira Gershwin's, But Not For Me. Then that's followed by Billy Strayhorn's uh, great tune called Take the A-Train, which, of course, became Duke Ellington's theme. And then a ballad, one of the great ones for all we know. And uh, then a tune written by, um, it's hard to know. This became sort of public domain, this tune. Anyway, it's called The Blues Walk and uh, we'll carry on from, from there, and we'll let you know after we hear the set. So we take you back to the Momartra Jazz House in Copenhagen, 21st of July, 1967. Long, tall Dexter, he's going to say a few words and then get into the first tune. Dexter Gordon, tenor saxophone, Kenny Drew at the piano, Nils Hennig Orsted peterson on bass, and Albert Tootie Heath on drums. Enjoy our jazz feature for tonight.
2: Go Afton, go Afton. Go Afton Damo O'Hara. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Momacha. Tonight we are recording. And, of course, you are an integral part of our endeavor. And our first one, they're writing songs of love, but not for me, but not for me. mm uh-huh. I'd like to walk
0: Our jazz feature this evening, and an extended version of the jazz show, our jazz feature was Dexter Gordon, the great, long, tall Dexter, recorded in 1967 at the Montreux Jazz House in Copenhagen, and of course he was backed by this stellar rhythm section with uh, two American expatriates, Kenny Drew uh, at the piano, Kenny Drew Sr., and... Albert Tootie-Heath on drums, and the bassist was the young and up-and-coming NHOP, better known as Nils Hennig Orsted Pedersen, the great Danish bass player. And uh, Dexter was particularly inspired on that uh, set and delivered. We uh, opened with uh, a few uh, Rehearsal notes and then Dexter speaking and we went into uh, George and Ira ones But Not For Me. Then we heard uh, Billy Strayhorn's tune that he wrote for the Ellington band and uh, became Ellington's theme song, Take the A-Train. Then we heard a ballad, um, a great one called For All We Know. And then we heard uh, a wonderful uh, tune that's been... Uh, Different composers have been uh, credited for this tune, but it's kind of public domain. It's called The Blues Walk. And uh, then we heard a great ballad by and uh, Stein called I Guess I'll Hang My Tears Out to Dry, and the final tune was a lengthy version of Cole Porter's Love for Sale. Dexter Gordon, one of the leading voices of the tenor saxophone in top form, and uh, just inspired by this rhythm section and inspired by uh, being an honored U.S. expatriate living in Europe, uh, giving, uh, getting all the accolades for his uh, artistic prowess and the fact that he was one of the great pioneers of modern jazz tenor saxophone who influenced a whole generation of musicians. Dexter Gordon, LTD. Long Tall Dexter, our jazz feature for this evening. Next week, our jazz feature is a legend, a wonderful pianist uh, and composer by the name of Elmo Hope. Elmo lived on the West Coast in Los Angeles for about four years, and uh, this album was recorded just before he departed um, and returned to his hometown of New York City. And he recorded this album, which is considered his masterpiece, and it's uh, simply called the Elmo Hope Trio, and it was recorded in Los Angeles with uh, bassist Jimmy Bond and drummer Frank Butler, and includes uh, mostly Elmo Hope originals, and uh, you'll get an idea of how great this pianist was. The legendary Elmo Hope, our jazz feature artist next week. We certainly hope you can join us, and just remember that uh, this and all of the remaining shows, I think there's only one more in the month of June, are sponsored by the TD Vancouver International Jazz Festival, which is ongoing uh, until July 1st. And there's so much more to come in the Jazz Festival. And we'll see you uh, next week in seven days for another edition of The Jazz Show. My name's Gavin Walker, and you're listening to, of course, CITR, FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. And we'll see you in seven days' time. Take care. Bye.